0: Welcome to Zichudav, Siman, Mabaray, Abraham, Golday, and today we're going to The fourth parak, Ochoa, Tzibim, so the three we are going to focus on number one. The Gemara brings two more explanations to why Beisham may rule differently in the Rasha and Safa of the Mishnah. Abai says that the Rasha refers to when the Yavama inherited the property when she was already a Shemeres Yavam, whereas the Seif refers to when she inherited the property while her first husband was alive, and that yadokiyada, Yada, the husband's rights in the nickname name of is equal to hers. Rashi explains that Abai holds a coin to Beishul, that their rights are equal, and therefore when the husband passes away, her rights become stronger than the Yavim's rights and she keeps a property based on Chazaka. Beishami holds that the husband's rights are stronger than his wife's. Therefore, when the husband passes away, the bond weakens one degree and the wife's rights are now equal to the Yavim's. If she dies, the inheritance is divided by both sides. Ravah says that both the Reisha and the Seifa deal when she was so Yavam. In the Risha, the Yavam did not do Mimer, and in the Seifa, he did. Ravah holds that according to Beis Shmayer, Mimer makes the Yavama Avada Arusa Usafik Nesua. It makes her a certain Arusa in terms of being Doka her tzara from Yibum, but it only makes her a Safik Nesua. Therefore, her hair split the inheritance with the Yavam. Point him to the Mishnah state that if the Yavam married the Yavama. She is considered like his full wife. Except that the Chiyiv to pay the Ksuba is upon her first husband's estate. The Lord explains the reason for this is They bestowed a wife upon the Yavim from shamayim. Rashi explains that the Yavim did not obligate himself in the Ksuba in terms of creating a Shibud. A lean on any of his property. Therefore, the Yavim is permitted to sell his property whenever he wants. The Gemara clarifies that if the first husband did not leave her any property to collect her k'suba, the Rabban were matakin that she should collect her k'suba from the Yavim in order that she should not be easy in his eyes to divorce. And pointing with you, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from Mechoras which states, "Mitzvus yibum kodemus chalitza." The mitzvah of yibum is preferable to the mitzvah of chalitza. This was originally when they only had kavanah for the mitzvah, but now that they do not have pure intent, but have an ulterior motive, the Raban said that the mitzvah of Chalitza is preferable to yibum. Rami Bar said that later the Rabbanim went back by saying that the mitzvah of yibum is preferable. This is not because their motives improved. Rather, originally the Rabbanim agreed with the following opinion of Abba Shaul, who held that yibum is not preferred if there are ulterior motives. For it was taught in the brights that the Abba Shaul, said that if the Yibum takes the yavama for sake of beauty or for marriage or for any ulterior motive, it's as though he engaged with an erva. And in my eyes, the child that is born is close to being a mamzer. Later the rabbin came to agree with the held that when the Pasuk states, Yavama Yavo Aleha, the Yavama shall have relations with her, it implies mikomakam however he has relations with her, regardless of intent. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gamora brings two more explanations as to why Beishamah ruled differently in the Risha and Seifa of the Mishnah. Abai says that the Risha refers to when the Yavama inherited the property when she was already a Shemeres Yavam. Whereas the Sefa refers to when she inherited the property while her first husband was alive. And that Yadok the husband's rights in the next name of Luke, is equal to hers. Rashi explains that Abai holds a coin to Beishamah, that their rights are equal. And therefore, when the husband passes away... Her rights become stronger than the Yavim's rights, and she keeps the property based on Chazaka. Beishami holds that the husband's rights are stronger than his wife's. Therefore, when the husband passes away, the bond weakens one degree, and the wife's rights are now equal to the Yavim's. If she dies, the inheritance is divided by both sides. Rava says that both the Risha and the Seifa deal when she was married Yavam. In the Risha, the Yavam did not do Mimer, and in the Seifa, he did, Rava holds that according to Baisham, Mimer makes the Yavama Avada Arusa Nesua. It makes her a certain Arusa in terms of being Docha Hertzara from Yibum, but it only makes her a Safik Nesua. therefore her hair split the inheritance with the Yavam. Point him to the Mishnah state that if the Yavam married the Yavama, She's considered like his full wife, except that the chiyuv to pay the ksuba is upon her first husband's estate. The more explains the reason for this is isha shamayim. They bestowed a wife upon the Yavim from shamayim. Rashi explains that the Yavim did not obligate himself in the ksuba in terms of creating a shibud on any of his property. Therefore, the Yavim is permitted to sell his property whenever he wants. The Gemara clarifies that if the first husband did not leave her any property to collect her k'suba, the Rabban were matakin that she should collect her k'suba from the Yavim, in order that she should not be easy in his eyes to divorce. And pointing with you, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from Bechoros, which states Mrs yibum Kodemus of The Mitzvah of yibum is preferable to the mitzvah of Chalitza. this was originally when they only had Kavana for the mitzvah, but now that they do not have pure intent but have an ulterior motive, the Raban said that the mitzvah of Chalitza is preferable to Yibum. Rami Bar said that later the Rabbanim went back by saying that the mitzvah of yibum is preferable. This is not because their motives improved. Rather, originally the Rabbanim agreed with the following opinion of Abba Shaul, who held that yibum is not preferred if there are ulterior motives. For it was taught in the brights that the Abba Shul said that if the Yevum takes the yavama for sake of beauty or for marriage or for any ulterior motive, it's as though he engaged with an erva. And in my eyes, the child that is born is close to being a mamzer. Later, the Rabbanan came to agree with the Khamim who held that when the Pasuk states, Yavama yavo Aleha, the Yavama shall have relations with her, it implies Mikomakam, however he has relations with her, regardless of intent. All right, so now we get our simmer Lame test, and our standard simon is a letter, and we often use a mailman in the simon. So here goes. The mailman's daughter, who inherited her father's world-class stamp collection before her husband died, ended up collecting her Ksuba from her first husband's estate. When things didn't work out well with her yavum, who did yibum with the stamp collection? In mind. Once again, it's a motion. The mailman's daughter mailman? That must be Randolph Lamites. Letter. The mailman's daughter who inherited her father's world class stamp collection before her husband died, which reminds us that more brings two explanations as to why may ruled differently in the Risha and Seifa of the Mishnah. Abai says that the ratio refers to when the Yavama inherited the property when she was already Oshomer's Yavam, whereas the Sefa refers to when she inherited the property while her first husband was alive, and the Yaduk Yada, the husband's rights in the Nixim Elug, is equal to hers. Rava says both the Risha and the Sefa deal with when she was Oshomer's Yavam. In the Risha the Yavam did not do Maimra, and in the Sefa he did. Rambo holds that according to Beishamai, Meimer makes the Yavama avadai arusa nesua. It makes her a certain arusa in terms of being doha tsar from Yibum, but it only makes her a usafik Nasua. Therefore, her heirs split the inheritance with Yavam. So, the mailman's daughter who inherited her father's world-class dam collection before her husband died ended up collecting her ksuba from her first husband's estate, which reminds us that the Chiyiv to the ksuba is upon her first husband's estate. The Gemara explains, the reason for this is, Isha Hikna min Shamayim They bestowed a wife upon the Yavim from Shamayim. Rush explains that the Yavim did not obligate himself in the ksuba in terms of creating a Shibut, a lien, on any of his property. Therefore, the Yavim is permitted to sell his property whenever he wants. The Gemara clarifies that if the first husband did not leave her any property to collect her ksuba, the were Wormatakim that she should collect her ksuba from the Yavim, Kadeshua they called the in order that she should not be easy in his eyes to divorce so the mailman's daughter who inherited her father's world-class stamp collection before her husband died ended up collecting her k'suba from her first husband's estate. When things didn't work out with her yavam, who did yibum with the stamp collection in mind. Which reminds us of regarding which is preferred yibum or chalitza. Abba Shul held. The yibum is not preferred if there are ulterior motives. For it was taught in a of the Abba Shul said, if the yavam takes the yavamah for the sake of beauty or for marriage or for any ulterior motive, ki erba, it's as though he engaged with an erba, and in my eyes, the child that is born is close to being a mamzer. Later, the Rabban came to agree with the who held that when the Pusik states, Yavam Yavo Allah, the Yavam shall have relations with her, it implies Mikomakom, however he has relations with her, regardless of intent. So once again, the mailman's daughter who inherited her father's world-class stamp collection before her husband died ended up collecting her Xuba from her first husband's estate, when things didn't work out well with her Yavam, who did Yibam with the stamp collection in mind. All right, now it's time for four barabat chazora. Daf hey. So the simmer daf Is the children's choir singing la la la? So here it goes the children's choir. Children's choir. That must mean we're on daf ramet hey. La la la. The children's choir joyfully singing at the Gyors' chasna, the day after her conversion, which reminds us all women who had relations and then want to remarry need to wait three months, except for a woman who converted as an adult and a ship who was freed as an adult. When the word suggests that a bunch should be goes for these women to wait as well, since it's common for them to have illicit relations, it answers that Shmuel's going according to a Yossi, who holds that a Gyors, a shvuya, a captive woman, and a ship do not need to wait three months. Abai explains the reason they do not have to wait is that a woman who engages in Znus inverts herself after having relations so that she does not become pregnant. So the children's choir joyfully singing at the Gyors' says, chasna the day after her conversion were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of kahanim got switched to their chuppas and became puzzled to eat truma, which reminds us the mishnah said if imah yekahanim nipso truma if the calls were daughters of kahanim they are puzzled from the eating of truma. has said that the mishnah is teaching that if they were daughters of kahanim who are married to Yisraelim, they are puzzled from eating truma from their kohanic homes. Rush explains that even though a bas who was violated while married to Yisrael is not prohibited to her husband, if he were to die, she would not be able to return home and eat truma. So the children's choir joyfully singing at the Gioris' chasna, the day after her conversion, were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of Kohan got switched at the chuppas and became puzzled to eat truma, while a guest who was pregnant and had done chalitza was rushed out and tragically, miscarried, which reminds us, the Gemara brings malchok as a in the beginning of the fourth paragraph regarding one who does chalitza with a pregnant woman, and then she miscarries. Rabbi Yochanan says she does not need chalitza from the brothers since the chalitza is now seen to be valid, whereas Rezhakish says she does require chalitza again from one of the brothers since the first chalitza was not valid. The Gemara teaches her malchok is going to be explained based on psukim and on tzvara. So the Simar is a lulav. So here goes. The Lulov salesman, Lulav, that must be more in Vav. The Lulov salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted to the kahuna, which reminds us the reason why a woman could not have a chalitza done in a case where her husband and her tsar went overseas and they came back and reported that her husband was dead and it's not yet known if her tsar had a child is not because chalitza's mu'beris, roshma chalitza, a chalitza of a pregnant woman, is not a valid chalitza even if she miscarries. Rather, it's because perhaps that so had a viable child. The Nimsa tamatzricha kahuzla kahuna, and it will come out that you'll require an announcement that she's fit to marry into the kahuna. It would be declared that her earlier chalitz was not effective, and she's not a chalutzah to be forbidden to kohanim. The more clarifies they were concerned that if someone was not at the announcement, they might come to think we're permitting a chalutzah to a Cohen. So the of salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted at the kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Luluf farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away. Which reminds us, Rav says that the halacha goes according to Rish Lakish in the case where a father signed over his properties to his son to be acquired after the father's death and where the father retains rights to the produce. If the son sold the property during his father's lifetime, and the son died during the father's lifetime, Raki says, kind of the buyer has acquired the property upon the father's death since... Kinyin Paris a goof. the ownership of the rights of the produce which the father still had, is not considered as if he still owns the land. So the Louvre salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did Khalitza was in fact permitted at the Kahuna, because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Louvre farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away, after being told he had to give his Yavama a divorce because he did Yibun prematurely, risking violating the Isir of Eshazach. Which reminds us, if one married his and she's found to be pregnant, if the child is not viable, he keeps her as his wife. The Gomorrah here brings up rights with an opposing opinion that taught. In the name of Rebelezer, they said, Yotzi beget. he must divorce what they get. Rush explains that even though the Yibam is valid since the child was not viable, the rabbanim penalized him and required divorce because by marrying the Yobameh who was possibly pregnant, he risks violating the Dereza Iser of Eshazach. So the Summer Dablamad Zain is laser tag. So here goes. When the pregnant woman playing laser tag, laser tag, that must more end Lamed Zion. When the pregnant woman playing laser tag, who passed her first trimester, but wasn't showing, played against the majority of women who were... Which reminds us, the Michelin Duff Lamed Hayaman base had said that if a child is possibly the nine-month-old baby of the deceased brother, or possibly the seven-month-old baby of the Yavam, the Yavam must divorce the Yavam, but the child is kosher to marry a Jew, and they're hired to bring an Ashantalia. On this stuff, Rav Nachman explained that even though the majority of women give birth at nine months, Making this the child of the deceased brother and the yavam and Yavim who have transgressed the isra veshes ach, making them malibon Since most women who give birth at nine months are showing at the first trimester, in this case of the yavam her fetus was not noticeable at three months, and therefore israeli ruba going according to the majority in her case is weakened with respect to her. So when the pregnant woman playing laser tag who passed her first trimester but wasn't showing played against the majority of women who were. She got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, which reminds us that the morning explains how Rav and Rav Nachman could marry women in the place they visited and then divorce them when they left, and there was no concern that their children would unknowingly marry each other. So, when the pregnant woman playing laser tag who passed her first trimester but wasn't showing played against the majority of women who were, she got help from a woman who had been married to a rabbi for one day, who left to go back and judge an inheritance case involving a Suffolk child and a yavam. Which reminds us, the first of eight cases dealing with disputes in inheritance It's the case when the Suffolk child and the Yevon come to take possession of the estate of the deceased brother. The Suffolk child says that he's the son of the deceased brother, and therefore the estate is his. The Yevon claims that the Suffolk child is his son, and that he has no right in the estate. So this is the case of Mamunamutabah Suffolk, money that lies in doubt. And since both sides have legitimate claims, Mamunamutabah Suffolk, money that lies in doubt, is divided between the parties. Daframadches, so the similar ches is a double lach and we use chicken soup. So here goes. When the Shamir's Yavim inherited her father's famous secret chicken soup recipe, chicken soup, that must mean Daf Ches, a Davr Loch. When the Shomer's Yavim inherited her father's famous secret chicken soup recipe and sold it for millions, she gleefully told her Yavam it was all hers. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states, Shomer's Yavim, Shanafel, and the Chosim. if a Shomer's Yavim inherited property from her father, both Beishameh and Beisil agree, Shomer Cheres, and the that she may sell it or give it away, and the transfer stands. They disagree if she dies before the even was done, in terms of who inherits her Ksuba and Nixem malu. So, when the Shemeric's Yavam inherited her father's famous secret chicken soup recipe and sold it for millions, she gleefully told her Yavam it was all hers, since she was an Arusa and Zika's Arusa, Kasafa Karusa, which reminds us, the Khmer asks, what is the difference in the Rasha and the Seifa of the Mishnah in that may agree with Beso on the Rasha, that the woman has full possession of the property she inherits, and Beishame disagree in the safe that the husband gets part of the property? Ula said, in the Rasha she felt to Yibum when she was an Arusa, meaning her first husband died after he was Makadishir, and in the Seva she fell for Yibma as a asua, and Ula holds Zika's Arusa osa Suffolk Arusa, and Zika's Nasua osa Suffolk Nasua. The Zika of an Arusa makes her like a Suffolk Arusa, and the Zika of a Nesua makes her like a Suffolk Nasua. So, when the Shamir's Yavam inherited her father's famous secret chicken soup recipe and sold it for millions, she gleefully told her Yavam, it was all hers, since she was an Arusa, and Zika's Arusa, Kasuffolk Arusa. And even if she had been an Asua, Zikas and the rule is ain't safik motzi which reminds us. Rabbi challenges Ula and holds that both the Raisha and the Sefer deal with where she fell for Yibum as a Nasua and agrees with Ula that zikas Nasua Nasua In the Reisha, where she is alive, she has a vaday claim for the property, and the Yavam has a safik claim since she's only a safik but ain't safik motzi mi and a safik claim cannot take money from the hands of one with a certain claim. In the sefer where she died, both the heirs of the father come to inherit, it and the inheritors of the husband come to inherit, it. and both have separate claims. Therefore, yocheloku they divide the money. All right, that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Yehuda. a great day and great learning.